son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Justin Cernitz and Candace Shanbron from Cernitz Law. Justin is the founding partner of Cernitz Law. Candace is the managing partner of Cernitz Law. Her legal career has been devoted exclusively to the practice of property insurance law, where Justin represents clients on a variety of insurance and personal injury legal issues. Justin, Candace, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired both of you to go to law school in the first place? A friend, because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And so I remembered that my first friend that I met when I moved to the United States was a girl in eighth grade, took me under her wing. I always admired her, respected her. We lost touch because I switched to public school. And I, but I remembered her and uh, I found out she was going to law school. And so that pretty much answered my questions because I was like, well, that kind of sounds good. I guess uh, since I respect her or I respected her, you know, that that'll be the next thing that I do. Wow. All right. Well, that's one of the more unique stories we have heard. Of all <laughs> it's the, the truth, though. <laughs> I was going to say, of all the lawyers I've interviewed, I think you're the only one who got the, well, like, 
had a friend who went, so I went. Justin, how about you? Yeah, my, mine's the boring one. My dad's a lawyer, so I'm like, oh, I want to be a lawyer too. I realize I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not very creative. Like, you know, I tried doing a marketing class and that wasn't very good. Um, I want to be a doctor, but my bio teacher said I had crappy hands and clumsy fingers, so I can never be a surgeon. So, I mean, I didn't realize there were like hedge funds and stuff out there. And I, so I'm like, you know what? I was going to law school. Plus you're not a numbers person. You just said. Yes. So be, like being a hedge fund manager probably would have failed. Yes. So I took some classes in college for business and some law. And <laughs> just took excellent usual... point, Candace. You were keeping them on the straight and narrow even back then. <laughs> yes. So that, that's uh, fine. Justin, how did, after law school, how did you end up in the insurance and personal injury fields? I always did personal injury, meaning I grew up in the personal injury world. My dad defended the insurance companies on personal injuries, but he set me up with a friend that had his own personal injury firm, who I'm now partners with in my New York office. And, you know, I always just like, oh, they fell, accident, ooh, something, something got severed, boom, they left an instrument in during a surgery. It was like sexy to me. And I'm like, I like this. So I was one of the few people in law school that actually want to be a personal injury lawyer. Everybody's like, I'm going to be a sports agent. I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer. I'm like, I want to do slip and falls. And everybody's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but that's what I did. And that's what I wanted to always do. Well, it appears to have worked out for you. Um, interesting that your dad was on the other side mm -hmm. of insurance defense. Any reason why you said, I don't want to go to the dark side. I want to go help the people as opposed to the insurance companies. I think deep down, my father always wanted to be a plaintiff lawyer, and he would um, always tell me, he goes, working for the insurance companies isn't the greatest. It provided a nice, comfortable lifestyle for us. But he goes, I, you really have the personality. You have the drive. I think you'd be better suited representing the other side and helping people. And that's why I did. Candace, how about how'd you get to property insurance law? So my first job, I worked at a big insurance defense firm. And um, after doing the personal injury defense for a month, one of the partners there needed an associate um, to do the property damage. And once I went into that, I never wanted to do the personal injury defense. I just love it. It was my calling. I knew it at that moment. I loved it. And, you know, and the rest is history. What is your, um, when someone asks you what property insurance law is, what does that mean to you? It's when you sue the insurance company uh, on some sort of property damage to your building or your home. Um, obviously, it has to be something that's covered under your property insurance policy. Um, but, you know, the, the, the general most common suits are the insurance company wrongfully denied or they wrongfully underpaid or, you know, they underpaid the claim. So you're both fighting for the people. How did you two meet? He stalked me at my first, the first firm that I discovered property insurance law. He had, he got this, his first boss got disbarred because um, he got into drugs and, you know, you know how that goes. And so he lost his job and had a brief six month stint at my, the large defense firm that I worked at and got introduced to me. I guess he had a crush on me, maybe. Yeah. And I, then stalked me. We went to a lunch at Hooters. Um, <laughs> and we were sitting across the table from each other. And, you know, I just, I thought she was really cool. So what I did, because the, the, the most logical next step is, 
I'm going to take a look at the master calendar and type in her initials and see where she's traveling to. Cause I knew she did a lot of traveling to like Tampa to see an insurance client. So I saw that she was constantly going. So I decided to put myself, I asked a partner to put me on a case um, that was in Tampa. It was some crappy case. I don't even know what the hell I was doing, but we would meet at the Southwest terminal at Fort Lauderdale airport. And since there's no assigned seating, since we knew each other, we would sit next to each other. And on that 40 minute flight to Tampa, that's how we got to know each other. And then I started to really like her. And uh, then she found out later on that I was actually stalking her, but she's still married to me 17 years later. So, so obviously you did something right. Congratulations <laughs> on that. It was creative and I thought it was good and I won. Yeah, it is certainly creative to get yourself put on a case so that you accidentally have to be on the same flights. Correct. It's, I, I like to say that the, the number one ingredient to everything in life is grit. And he sure as hell, you know, showed the grit, at least in pursuing me. So. And then how did the joint law firm come about? So when I, my second job, I switched to the better side. I became a plaintiff lawyer after five years of practice. Justin is getting something at his yeah, desk. Um, and I remembered that there were a ton of, uh, adjusters that wanted to send me work at my firm. But my boss at the time wouldn't allow me to negotiate on the percentage of our contingency agreements. So I had to turn all of those cases away, which was really effed up. And so finally, I started getting really upset. And I said, wait a second, why am I just flat out turning these cases away that I'm not allowed to take? So I started referring them to Justin and Justin um, that practice, the property insurance just really soared for him, um, through a lot of my connections. And finally he said, "Hun, I really need you to quit your job. The practice is exploding. I need your help. You need to leave right now. Of course I said, hell fucking no 50 million times. And finally, at some point he said, you don't have a choice. I said, I can't do this. You got to put your big girl panties on and you need to do this. You don't have a choice. You're doing it now. And I said, okay, fine. And then that was, uh, screaming though. Like I, I remembered being, it was tough. you know, I was really freaked out. Justin, were you working for the, were you on your own at that point or were you telling? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was on my own at that point. I had started Cernitz law in 2010 and then she joined me in 2012. So what inspired you to start Cernitz law in the first place, Justin? Always wanted to have my own. Like I was working always in small firms for the most part. And I just always want to have my own shop. Like I, I'm better being my own boss than working for somebody else. I'm just like, I'm not a, a personality that works well with a boss. To use Howard Stern's word, in other words, he's a sucky employee. Yes. Well, now that segues into my next question, which is how <laughs> the two of you are basically in partnership, not completely in partnership together. So I'm certain, I don't know how the balance works in your relationship, but Certain minutes of the day, I'm the boss. Certain minutes of the day, my wife is the boss. I mean, she's always the boss, but anyway. So how does that work in your working relationship and your personal relationship? I just let her be the boss. It's easier. He doesn't let me be the boss. Let's make that very clear. Well, listen, you got to give him the illusion that he's letting you so he feels better. I don't even think I do a good job giving the illusion that he lets me be the boss. I think I'm my my personality is pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, listen, she she has a very she's very organized and she manages well. Um, 
it's just she's she's a good boss. You know, I like working for her. So you're just unemployable by anybody. Plus, the sexual perks are really amazing. Yeah, I'm a shitty and I'm a shitty employee (laughs) as well. So it's all good. So then how do you balance your personal relationship and your professional relationship when you're at the office together and then home together? We don't. I mean, I I wouldn't say that there's a really great balance. There's a good balance by Justin because Justin knows how to turn it off when he enters the house. Whereas because I just, my mind doesn't shut off. So you know, I, it could be three o'clock in the morning and I wake up and I just thought of this great theory on one of my cases and I slap him, you know, and I wake him up and he's like, leave me alone. And I'm like, no, but we have to talk about this. And he's like, shut the fuck up. I need to sleep. Yeah. So then, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Know. Like it's, it's one of those things. Like we'll be sitting on the couch at 10 o'clock at night. So my eyes are like slowly shutting. And it's like, Oh, did you do this on this file? I'm like, please leave me alone. Like, I, 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 I don't know. Like maybe I, I did. So yeah. I haven't really found the balance and I don't, I don't think that I ever And I don't will. intend on founding it. <laughs> no, but you know, I don't think that I will truly ever have. ever have a balance within me. I think that I've learned to um, not cross the boundaries as much with you anymore. But with me, I don't, I don't think I'll ever find it. And, and I try not to talk about work that much when I'm at home with Candace. Yeah. But she has, I don't really talk much about it anyway. So. What? <laughs> What do the two of you like the most about working together? That it's all ours. You know, like there's there's never, you know, I trust him so much with every bone in my fiber in my body that it's so nice to be in business with somebody where you know that you're not going to have that conflict of interest at some point that inevitably a lot of partnerships, you know, have. Because if there's a conflict in the in the business, there's going to be a major conflict in the personal relationship, and right. and vice versa. Right. You know, it, it, it it's going to flow through no matter what happens. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have neither of us have that type of ego. Like whatever needs to be done in the firm to like make it work, anything and everything. Like I'm there to do it because we both really do appreciate the fact that we're in a really blessed, privileged situation that most people don't get to have. So let's not ruin it. Let's really like do whatever we can to like make it work and make it successful. You know, that makes a lot of sense. How do you relate to the other folks that you're working with? And what we're like, who, like our, the rest of our employees or the other. We We treat them like family. Like I, you know, like. And we have a very unique team too. I mean, two of the people that work for us are my best friends. Um, So. I have a partner that's my best friend from law school. I have another guy who works now recently for us. That's my other best friend. And so we are, everybody always tells you, like, don't hire friends. Don't hire people that you know. And yeah, I, I could see there's pros and cons to everything. But at the end of the day, I trust them with my life. And it's nice to have a team that you can put your full trust in. Know, like, you're not going to get screwed over. They're not kind of trying to take your clients. They're not trying to, because a lot of people, law firms have these problems. An associate sees all these cases and then all of a sudden they want to leave. And I think we have a great, you know, team environment where we laugh a lot. We joke a lot. Um, people, keep, I think, are obsessed with our firm culture. culture. Yeah. Like they're, you know, we laugh so much. We're really understanding our philosophy at the firm is, you know, health and family first. 
And we really, you know, that's not just a punchline that we like to throw out, you know, just to get people to work for us. And because, you know, we live it day in and day out. And that's something that is so is priceless to our family. Um, and, and I like the fact that our, our employees aren't afraid to come to us when they're like, uh, like one of them is like, I have my son's assembly. I, I'm going to be like an hour and a half late. I'm like, I don't want you to miss that. Go. Or like, you know, like, like there are some people that get so nervous about asking their bosses for anything. And I like the fact that people feel like they can open the door, come to us and talk about it, just about anything, which is a really nice feeling. And we yeah. both have, I think I would say a pretty high emotional What's the EQ, like instead of IQ, EQ. Emotional like quotient. Emotional quotient, yeah. Mm. So. My EQ is some probably one of the highest in the world. Justin. <laughs> He's here all week. Yeah. He's here. Get his book of roll records. EQ, Justin Sir is my face is right there. IQ, not so much, but EQ, boom. <laughs> that, that's very important that you've realized that and you've gotten past denial. Yeah. <laughs> so over the time, you, I mean, you built quite a successful practice in a competitive space. How do you differentiate yourself and attract clients? We did amazingly well having barely a website and doing, we never did any marketing. I refused to do any speaking engagements because that wasn't something I was comfortable doing. And so I, I attribute our success before we started to do any of that stuff. Um, really, in, in, I, I hate to sound old fashioned, but it was really grit, passion, being the most accessible attorneys. Quite ever. detriment at times. So, yeah, but you know what? You get annoyed when you, when you establish this type of pattern and accessibility but the benefits so outweigh the abuses that a lot of clients will have when they call you on a Sunday, they call you at night. But, you know, while it can be annoying, I mean, the success is just, it's awesome. <laughs> like you, you can't even compare the two, you know? There are firms that are famous or, you know, infamous for the opposite end of, cust of client service where right. they might go, they, a client might go months without hearing from their attorney. Um, you talked about the challenge and delight in balancing the lack of those boundaries. What do you feel? Um, do you mark? Do you communicate that to clients? Do you promote that accessibility? Because ultimately, you run out of hours in the day, right? We do. We do promote it. Um, we made the mistake of you know always giving out our cell phones. Um, I, I'm that person where I'm extremely self-aware and aware of what it takes and aware of what has gotten us to this place. I will never, ever take that for granted. I could be as big as Morgan & Morgan, probably will not be that big, but I could, if I want to, if I ever ended up being that big, I still will be the most accessible attorney. You know, it's almost like don't bite the hand that feeds you. It's one of those things. Like, if I know that that's part of the ingredients of the success, I'm never going to, you know, I'm not going to change. And, and I also set the expectation with my clients when I speak with them that I will be in touch with them. But I said, it's not going to necessarily be on a weekly basis or a monthly basis when there are important things happening in your case and I need to speak with you. I'll be speaking with you. Um, I, I, I'm very good with my emails. If they want to email me, I get back to them a lot faster sometimes because sometimes you're right, Seth. There's not enough time in the day to call everybody back. So 
you know, simple emails for simple, you know, questions is always the best way to do it. And I get back to them probably within five minutes most of the time. And the interesting thing about communication, though, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So we were doing this thing in the beginning of our practice where we were sending out like anything that got filed in the case, we would just start mailing it, you know, and because a lot of our clients, believe it or not, don't have email addresses. So we were, you know, wasting thousands of dollars, you know, sending enclosure letters with, with stuff because we really wanted to make sure our clients knew what was going on. We got we got so much crap from our clients. What are you sending? Why are you sending me so many, you know? So then you can't please everybody and everybody has different expectations. So we really do the best that we can. We've stopped with sending them anything and everything. And now we just try to ingrain it into their heads. Call us, we can't read your mind. Cause you know, you'll get the people that are like, well, I haven't heard from you. And it's like, well, there's really nothing to report. But we've told you before that if you want to know what's going on, feel free to always call us. We, we might have nothing to say to you other than hope you're doing well. Nothing is really, you know, happening of note, but feel free to check up again. But it's, it's an impossibility to call each and every single one of your clients on a weekly or monthly basis. And anybody that says that they do that is full of shit. And I have to explain to my clients, it's not like a Suits episode where... The, uh, the case is presented in, in, in the first 10 minutes of the, the episode. Then all of a sudden we get to trial the next day. There's a hearing. And by 60 minutes later, the case is closed with, with a victory. It's not the way it works. Uh, how do you, and, and how do you that, that brings up my next, segues into my next question, which is, so clients have zero perception of how slow the wheels of justice turn. How do you educate them on that so that they're not wondering, hey, it's been a few weeks. Why haven't, why hasn't there been an update? You don't have anything to report, but they don't know that. I think in the beginning of a case, the way I set it up with my clients is I actually try to tell them a little bit of a timeline that's going to happen. And I always tell them in the beginning of the case, the first 60 to 90 days, you're probably not going to hear a whisper from me because it's just getting, the complaints are getting filed. The discovery is getting served. Their motion for extension, then as you know. They have to hire, the insurance company has to hire a lawyer that gets appointed. There's all these different things. And then once that happens, they need an extension. So I said, the, the nitty gritty really starts to happen in that six to eight month range, maybe around there, or the five to seven month range. But I, I give them the expectations that like, please don't think I'm filing your case tomorrow. And then in three weeks, we're going to have a response from the insurance company that they just go, oh, you know what? You're right. We agree with you. And we're going to be paying you every single dime that, you know, you think you're owed. Just doesn't happen like that. I can explain that as many times as I want. And most people still don't listen. But I do try to set it up that way. Yeah, most people don't listen. And we'll still get the emails or the calls. You filed my lawsuit three weeks ago. What's happening? And we're like, <laughs> what do you mean? What's happening? So, you know, they don't always listen. Your passion is obvious. What do you both like best about what you're doing? I personally, I, I'm passionate about property insurance, but I'm my real thing that like gets me is not your more common, easy cases. I actually like the difficult, hard stuff where I discovered something that, you know, it took me probably 20 hours to figure it out. And I had to dig through a bunch of documents and back-end research. And I discovered something that, you know, is not easily 
recognizable or noticeable. That's what I get passionate about, but your run of the mill, your hurricane claims, your plumbing losses, where the insurance just, you know, they either didn't pay enough or they denied it. And it was a regular denial, nothing interesting. Do I like it? Yeah. Cause it, it, you know, it, it makes me money. It, it operates my firm, but I really get passionate about when the insurance companies really, really screw up. And unfortunately it's, it's, it's almost like uh, the banking industry where there's a lot of predatory practices um, that occur with either certain geographical areas or a certain um, socioeconomic. socioeconomic background. And so that makes me feel good representing the people that, that truly, truly get screwed um, that you know would never even know that they got screwed. Mine's much more simpler. I just feel like what I'm doing, I'm the good guy and the insurance company is the bad guy. And I like being the good guy. And I feel like when I'm the good guy, you know, the I'm, I'm helping people and I actually enjoy helping people because I think that, oh, wow, we were able to rebuild my house. We were able to do this. I was able to get, you know, the kitchen, you know, that was broken anew. And it feels good, especially when your clients send you photographs of what they're able to do with the proceeds you're able to get them. And it just feels nice. And for me, like, I just like that warm and fuzzy feeling in my stomach. I was about to say my tummy and about to sound really childish. No, mine is much deeper. It's not, it's it's not this warm and fuzzy feeling right away. Awesome. Well, for our folks watching and listening who want to learn more, where is the best place for us to send them? Discernitslaw.com. Can you spell that out? That's C as in cat, E, R, N as in Nancy, I, E as in Tom, Z as in zebra, L-A-W.com. But we're also on social media. Oh, yeah, you can follow us at Justin Cernitz and Candace Chambron or on Cernitz Law with all of our hashtags and handles and all these different. No, it's not a hashtag. No, hands, hashtags and handles. Yeah, whatever. It's a handle. Whatever. Whatever these things are that you press on the social media things is where you can find <laughs> us. <laughs> all right. Well, we this has been Seth Green with Justin Cernitz and Candace Chambron. Justin, Candace, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Thank Seth. you. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.